0: Hey guys, I just want to say right now that we need your reviews on iTunes more than ever because we got our first bad review from Heather M. Salazar who listened to the first three minutes of the Ed Sheeran episode and thought it was the real Ed Sheeran and that he was bashing America so she gave us a one-star review unfortunately that hurts our visibility so if we don't get more good reviews less people are going to be able to find our show and that's not going to be great so get on there give us a five star review and tell the people out there what you like about the show with that i want to say a happy fourth of july and enjoy the show And welcome again to the Yes and I Am podcast, the podcast where we learn about people. I'm Aaron Max, and today's guest is, I I can't even describe how excited I am. This guy is a legend in the world of film and comedy. Uh, I'd be shocked if you guys didn't know who he is because he is just so, I'm just going to introduce him. Bill Murray is here with us today. How's it going, Bill? Good. Good.
1: It's going good. What what brings you to New York? Well, you know, I didn't really have anything else to do. So if there's nothing to do, just go where things are happening. Where things are happening? Yeah. Uh, what, What do you mean by that? I don't know. You look around. People are walking. People are talking. People are having a good time. And they're not as amazed when I walk by them. Do they not recognize you? No, they do.
0: But, like, it's just, like, any other day for them?
1: You all right there? Yes. Yes. Thinking about something? Just thinking.
0: Okay. Okay, um, well, uh, so you're just here in New York doing
1: nothing in particular? Well, I'm living a life. A life where I've accomplished so much. A life which there's... So little to do, and I just want to have fun. So I'm having fun with the common folk.
0: All right. Well, I guess I'll start interviewing you then, uh, asking you some questions. Uh, So you've done so many great movies. I started listing them off here, and I have to say, like, there wasn't a year where you weren't putting out just something amazing. What was your greatest accomplishment as an actor?
1: I would say... The easy answer would be Groundhog Day. The correct answer would be taking a vacation.
0: Taking a vacation? Yeah. I, I'm unfamiliar with the film. No, that's something I did. Oh. Oh.
1: Oh. okay. Um, it's easy to get swept up in the energy and the lights and dazzle of Hollywood and forget that you're a real person. You forget that you're a real person? It's easy to, but... That's why I take little trips like this to do absolutely nothing.
0: So, where do you stay when you're doing nothing in the city? I mean, there's so much to do that it seems almost counterproductive to do nothing in the city where you can do
1: anything. Would you like an address, a room number? No, I I just. Wanna How know. many people will you be sending to my room? Uh, I don't intend
0: on sending any. Will they be I'm... armed? That's a odd question. Um, no, I just want to get into your mind. I want to know why you're here. W- what does Bill Murray do when he's not in critically acclaimed films? I like to sculpt. You like to sculpt? Yeah. What, what do you like to sculpt? Do, do you like make people? Do
1: you make Mostly pottery? dolphins. Dolphins? Yeah. Well, you, any particular reason why dolphins? They're very smart and they swim well that is true um do you, and they make fun noises like hee 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 not quite like that but
0: so you're a fan of dolphins have you ever actually seen one in person or like touched one i know there's like places you can go where you can like swim with them i've been saving that saving it for when for when i'm worthy you you don't consider yourself worthy to swim with the dolphins do you i mean i, I I know my mother and my brother have both swam with dolphins and they seem to have had a good time and they don't seem anything like too crazy
1: or great Or I, I, I want, what do you mean worthy? Well, you have to understand that when you're, uh, when your name means something to so many people, the normal standards no longer apply and it can warp your perspective. So, realistically i could go out and swim with any dolphin that i want i could find the most famous accomplished dolphin out there an award-winning dolphin and i can i can swim right on it and get it just like that but do they ever do they ever ask the dolphin what the dolphin wants i guess they don't i mean i know what if the dolphin never saw ghostbusters what if it never saw groundhog day what if i'm just some guy named bill murray I doubt that the dolphins have seen Groundhog Day. Uh, Some of them definitely have.
0: Do dolphins have TVs? I mean, they're next to TVs sometimes. That movie's on a lot. Would they, like, show it at, like, SeaWorld? I mean, how do you feel about a place like
1: SeaWorld? It exists. It's not my cup of tea. I'd rather, if I were to swim with a dolphin, I'd rather be in the proper ocean. But, of course, I'm a man who can afford such a thing. So you don't like you're not opposed to them being like in captivity, though. I can't say I'm too well read on it, but captivity is usually very bad. Not a big fan of captivity.
0: Yeah. Have you uh, ever experienced uh, being held captive yourself? Just on film sets. Uh, Any particular film set where you felt like you were
1: held captive? (sighs) Garfield. Which one? They all blur together like one long nightmare. That's five, six, probably even longer years in my life I'll never get back.
0: But Garfield was just in in a sound studio, so you didn't actually have to like be on set. I, I, I assumed that Garfield didn't take that long
1: to record. Aaron, what is a sound studio if not a prison sans bars? Did you feel like you had to get the mentality of Garfield?
0: To play the role?
1: Well, that was the easy part. I find myself in the mentality of Garfield all the time. See, I, I hate Mondays. I love lasagna. Uh, the color orange used to resonate with me uh, more before 2016. But becoming Garfield was easy. Fulfilling the responsibilities of Garfield, that was difficult.
0: Now, the, the Garfield movies were incredibly popular. They, they uh, made a lot of money. Uh, was there any redeeming quality to the Garfield films to you? Yes. Uh, my performance. Do you think
1: that, uh, people overlooked your performance as Garfield? Just because John Arbuckle was so well cast? Yes. Yes, I do think so. I think that there should have been a lot less talk about Garfield and John Arbuckle and a lot more talk about Bill Murray, but I can't really complain about that. I mean, you don't have to go too far to hear about Bill Murray. It's interesting that you say uh, Caddyshack or uh,
0: Groundhog Day are, were one of your greatest achievements because most people look towards uh, Lost in Translation as mm. your greatest role considering that was the one you were nominated for an Oscar for. Uh, is there a reason why you haven't mentioned it? Because I'm not a hipster. not a hipster? Well, that... I wouldn't consider Lost in Translation a hipster film. That means you're a hipster. I mean, if you really want to talk about your hipster films, there, there's a whole director that I haven't mentioned yet that um, is considered the hipster director that you work with quite closely. Uh-oh. Here it comes. You have a close relationship with Wes Anderson. Yes. He's a good guy. You, you've been in almost all of his films. I wish I was, was in all of them. All of them. All of them. Yeah, you weren't in uh, Bottle Rockets. And uh, there might be one. I I don't think you made an appearance in the Darjeeling Limited
1: either. I was actually, um, my scenes were cut from both of those. Really? Yeah. In Bottle Rockets, I actually played a bottle rocket. Uh, The suit was very expensive to construct, but it was very convincing. It almost just looked like a, a, a bottle with my face on it that you would shoot rockets out of. But when they were finishing up the film, they found that, Despite the title, it didn't really fit into the plot anymore, so they left it out.
0: What about Wes Anderson's films that keeps you working with him? Because uh, just this year, you had uh, the film come out, The Isle of Dogs, where you uh, voiced a dog. Which
1: is interesting, because now you've voiced a dog and a cat. So, Isle of Dogs is only produced in the first place. It was just sort of an idea that Wes had, at or had after a fever dream one night. Uh, He was he had night terrors and uh, we happened to be sleeping on the same floor of a hotel and he was screaming so loud that I could hear him from nine units away. And, you know, Wes has got this scream. If you're a good friend of him, then you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, it's him. So I you know, I did my job as a friend and I ran over, I knocked on the door and he had outlined Isle of dogs to me. Then when the next morning, when we were back to normal, and I recanted the description he gave me, he said that's the dumbest thing he's ever heard of, and he can't believe it came out of his brain. But I just kept putting the pressure on him, and it was probably about seven or eight years uh, of pressure to put that movie at the top and get it produced, and then he finally listened. And the reason why I did it was, well, I just had to get Garfield out of my system. So you made the Isle of Dogs so you wouldn't be seen as Garfield anymore? Well, the world will always see me as they see me, but for far too long, I just looked in the mirror and I saw that orange fat cat staring back at me. So he haunts you? Not anymore. Not after Isle of Dogs. But for years, it was my burden to bear. I I do have to ask about Isle of Dogs because they kind of demonize
0: cats in that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And cat lovers, I know there's a lot of hipster cat lovers were a little upset about it. Um... Is that you projecting your hatred of Garfield?
1: (laughs) Well, let's just say if they're unhappy with it, they can go back and watch Lost in Translation again. The hipsters? Yeah.
0: Yet again, I don't think Lost in Translation is a
1: hipster film. You're a young guy, Aaron. Very, very good looking. I'm sure you're very popular. Uh, If you were this age at the time it were released, then perhaps you'd see things slightly differently. I mean, fair enough. Uh,
0: You started off pretty, like, big You um, initially studied comedy at Second City Mm -hmm. with Del Close Yes What was that like? I mean, as someone who has tried to study comedy himself And uh, Del Close being kind of like the godfather of improv and everything
1: Working with Del and studying under Del is one of those things that um, Makes you, reminds you of just how good it is to, to be a man he treated us very differently. But he was a brilliant guy, and it's a, it's a weird thing to have to juxtapose that all the time uh, and remind people that he was very talented and very brilliant, but also at times a, a bit of a monster. But I guess that's sort of our humanity staring back at us and a and, uh, consequence of being hung up on a time that would hopefully be lost, but.
0: It's interesting, because you remained close with him up until his death in 99, where you actually even organized his uh, wake and funeral. So uh, there must have been something that, like, lingered between the two of you.
1: Uh, yes, I liked his eyes, and he liked mine. Okay. <laughs> Certain things transcend comedy and transcend laughter and silliness and all the the joy that we bring into the world, and sometimes you just look into another man's eyes and you, you see a soul that was made for yours, despite little to no sexual attraction. I won't say none.
0: It's interesting, because after you studied with him, you went straight to work for National Lampoon's Radio Hour, and then you were only with National Lampoon's Radio Hour for a year. Then you were just on SNL for their first season. Yes. Uh, what was that like? I mean, you you were there for uh, almost five years as a cast member. Like, that's one of the most influential Comedy programs of all time Almost all the famous comedians In movies today Had their stints on SNL
1: Yeah, well I had I had a great stint On SNL, it was a great time I wouldn't trade it in for anything uh, The question that I have been asked That I, I always go back to in my mind I was once asked To get on SNL so, so quickly and efficiently Was it a matter of talent Or was it a matter of luck uh, And to answer that question, I've never talked about this in public before, but at least in my case, I know they were they were looking for what you would call a, a Garfield type. Oh. Yeah, someone who can be, uh, you know, quirky or can be deadpan, can play normal, can play weird, hates Mondays. Do you think that you were almost destined to play Garfield?
0: Next question. All right. Well, I have to address uh, one thing before we move on. I've read recently that you don't have an agent or a manager, that you just pick up your phone, and if like an offer for a movie or TV thing interests you, you'll uh, agree to it kind of blasé-like, that y- you don't really even try to get roles anymore.
1: That's right. Um, I prefer crashing house parties... Um, just showing up places where I wasn't invited. And once I realized that I've gained a level of celebrity while I, where I'm allowed to do that, where I can just walk into someone's house and they're happy that I'm there, I, I realized I didn't really need the traditional show business star infrastructure to keep doing my career. And to be honest, I didn't even invite my agent or my manager to any personal events. I, I, I hated them. So you're just like, I don't need them. I'll make my own success. I looked at them the way Garfield
0: looks at Mondays. All right. Well, we've reached the point of the show where we like to do a few rounds of uh, speed questions. We play a couple games here. Uh, The first game we play is Fuck, Mary Kill. Are you familiar with the game? Very. I've done all three. All right. Well, I am going to list three names and you tell me which category each name goes into. First name. Odie. Second name Nermal. Third name, John Arbuckle.
1: Alright, so Odie's a straight kill. Um Nermal is a is a marry Uh as for John Arbuckle, is it possible to choose both fuck and kill at the same time? I mean
0: this is your truth, so All three. Alright, well the next game we like to play here is we like to do a little bit of word association Basically I will say a word and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind Mm -hmm.
1: First word Joke Eggs Goof Ball TV Station Film Porn Laugh Also porn Sports Ball Clown Nose Phone Terrible Team Favorite Improv Dell Comedy Also Dell
0: Alright, well thank you again for coming on the show today, Bill
1: Is there anything you want to say to our listeners before you head out? Close your eyes Take a walk around Don't let this world and all of its noise and all of its towering power and energy don't let it overpower that beauty that you find deep inside yourself always find a way to be happy even when the world isn't all right well thank you
0: again for coming out here and thank you all for listening and we will see you all next time You again, for listening to the Yes and I Am podcast. This podcast has been completely improvised, so instead of having the actual Bill Murray with us here today, it has been my friend John Vogel. How's it going, man? It's going. Uh, so Bill Murray, yeah, I took a lot of liberties of that one. Um, I don't know, <laughs> I, I felt like at times it felt really uh, true to what he'd say,
1: yeah. Well, I like. My view on Bill Murray is I've, for one reason or another, I've, I've never been swept up by the mania around him the way a lot of my friends and peers have, but I've always appreciated the sort of oddball weirdo, like, doesn't know what to do with how famous he is side of Bill Murray. Apparently, he's incredibly hard to work with.
0: Yeah. Like, um, Dan Aykroyd gave him the nickname Murricane because you never knew, like, when he was just going to, like, flip out at
1: someone. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been a fun thing to do.
0: To the point where, <laughs> like, during the filming of Groundhog Day, him and Harold Ramis were, like, at each other's throats. And they didn't, like, reconcile until, like, right before Harold Ramis died
1: that's i didn't know that that's pretty crazy yeah no it's super dark that's why i did not bring it up well it's interesting though because with that movie it's one of those movies where you know that premise has been done a million times but it's kind of you know besides maybe the adam sandler version uh the the like (laughs) the bill murray groundhog day is there's just so much more emotion that it evokes and that it seems to have captured and you know, who knows? There's so much moving parts that go into a movie's production, but the 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 emotion of the actors and the intensity being brought that could lead to a lifelong rivalry feud like that, that might it's mean something. It's crazy,
0: though, because like him and Harold Ramis were such a great combination for like the whole first half of his career,
1: right? And then it's just, I guess, the visions diverged at that it, point. It funny.
0: It's funny, there's like him and Harold Ramis, and then there's like an eight year period, and then it's just him and Wes Anderson,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
0: which is cool that like he's just like, you know what? I'm just gonna do this director's films. That's why I don't need an
1: agent. Yeah, yeah exactly. is this
0: Wes Anderson calling me? N- no, bye.
1: <laughs> I worked with um, a friend of mine as a director, and I, I, I hope he gets famous so I can just sort of ride his coattails and be his Bill Murray or something.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's what I want. I I want to just have that relationship. Uh I want to be like. You know, uh, Quentin Tarantino with Sam Jackson. You know. Yeah, well, like, cause,
1: cause my my thing is, I don't want to be famous. Like, if I were famous, is very high on my list of things I don't want to be. Um, more so than on my list of things I want to be. But very high on my list of what I want to be is is funny for a living. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to do that without being famous. But I always kind of look at it like you go around Manhattan and you see all these like super wealthy people who have a nanny just for their kid. And I'm like, I just need to find me a super rich guy who just, like, pays me to follow him and crack jokes.
0: I feel you. I think my ideal situation would be, like, being Paul Rudd. Yeah. Just, like, that relationship he has with Judd Apatow. where Judd Apatow's like, hey, I'm making a movie. You want to be in it? Yeah. You know? I think that would be, like, ideal for me. Because, like, Paul Rudd isn't the funniest person in his group. Right. He Like, he's just kind of there. And he, he's great at what he does. But it... it I just feel like it's achievable, right?
1: Like that, to that do, Rudd and Judd connection.
0: Yeah, um, but yeah, so Bill Murray weirdo. I, I, I it was funny uh, when I mentioned Del Close. I'm like, this is getting real inside baseball here, because <laughs> uh, listeners out there, I know John through improv. So, and Del Close is just like the god of improv, basically, to the point where like there's just this yearly. A uh, tribute to him, uh, where like there's just like three days of straight improv, every hour on the hour kind of deal, and it's it's kind of cult like.
1: Yeah, improv thoroughly like pretty much any theater or community you go to has some sort of cult culty atmosphere to it. There's always a cult of personality around whoever started that particular theater. But like it all kind of leads back to Del Close, right? He, he's he, he's patient zero. He's like their Jesus.
0: <laughs> It's like, oh, Del Close said this in his book. We must follow it word for word. This is how comedy works.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Jesus slash Abraham. Yeah, slash Moses with the tablets. Like, Del Close (laughs) is Moses with the tablets. It's almost like a religion that we watched unfold, though, because it's like you go there once a week, you give them way too much money. Um, It's... You've come out with the community and feeling fulfilled. It's a lot of what religion's historically done. It's just happened now rather than 2,000 years ago. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, you know, a creation story for the universe in 2,000 more years, personally. Fair enough.
0: So, John, you are a comedian improviser in the city right
1: now. What do you have going on? Um, I'm actually, so I've got uh, the, the two, I mean, I'm always around doing uh, stand-up comedy and doing improv, usually at the People's Improv Theater. There's two locations, one on 24th Street in Lexington, one on 29th Street in 7th, uh, so you can see me there all the time. Uh, I'm also, uh, a film that I was in uh, is in the Action On Film Festival, which is in Las Vegas in August. Oh, very August. cool. That's The Trouble, directed by Zef Choda. Uh, his first feature film and and my first uh, my first real role in a feature film, which is cool. So how long have you been uh, acting? Um, since middle
0: school, on and off. Cool. So, if our listeners want to find
1: your dates and details and where you're playing next, where can they find all this? Uh, Vogel Comedy. V-O-G-E-L Comedy on most of the social medias. VogelComedy.com uh, It's a good place to find all my stuff. I'm on Instagram. I'm on I'm technically on Twitter, but I don't use it because I I think Twitter's bad. Uh, Facebook, that's a good way to reach me. That that is fair enough. I uh, we have a Twitter account
0: for Yes and I Am. I think I've tweeted twice.
1: Yeah, I think I'm at two as well for Vogel comedy.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's just hard. Instagram is where like we're at, and you can find us on Instagram at Yes and I Am. If you're not following us already, go there. We post pics and all fun stuff. So uh, anything you want to say before
1: you head out, John? Um, this is a fun podcast. This is really fun to do. Uh, it's fun to listen to. It's fun to be a part of. And uh, it's, a good, it's a good thing in the podcasting universe. All right. Well, thank you again, John, for coming out here today. Oh, thanks for having me.
0: And thank you all for listening again. And we will see you all next time.